Chapters three and four of the Basket of Flowers by Christoph von Schmid. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Abigail Rasmussen in February two thousand and twelve. Chapter three, the missing ring. Shortly after Mary had left the castle, the Countess missed a valuable diamond ring. No one had been in the room where she had left it. But Mary, and it is not surprising that suspicion fell upon the humble flower girl. Calling Amelia to her, the countess told her of her loss and of her suspicions, and bade her go to the cottage in order that she might induce Mary to restore the ring before the theft became known. When Amelia arrived at Mary's home, the young girl was busily engaged trying on her beautiful dress. She was frightened. To see the young countess enter her little room, pale and trembling, and out of breath with her haste. Dear Mary, said Amelia, what have you been doing? My mother's diamond ring, which she left lying in the room where you were, is lost. No one has been in the chamber but you. Do give it up at once, and no harm will be done. The unexpected charge of theft stunned and frightened Mary. Earnestly she declared her innocence. She had never seen the ring, nor had she moved from the place where she stood when she entered the room. But Amelia found it impossible to believe her, and continued to urge her to give up the ring, which she said was worth a large sum of money. To be suspected of theft was bad enough, but to have her friend Amelia unwilling to believe her made Mary burst into tears. Truly, she cried, I have no ring. Never in all my life have I ventured to touch anything which did not belong to me, much less to steal. My dear father has always taught me better. Her father, who had been at work in his garden, now came in to learn the young countess's errand, and to him Amelia told the story. Shocked beyond measure at the charge, the old man was so overcome that he was obliged to sink into a chair. My dear child, he said to Mary solemnly, to steal a ring of this price is a crime which in this country is punished with death. But this is not all. Your action is not only one for which you must account to men, but to that God who reads the heart and with whom all false denials amount to nothing. Have you forgotten his holy commandment? Thou shalt not steal. Have you forgotten all the advice that I have given you? Were you tempted with the gold and the precious stones? Alas, do not deny the fact, but give back the ring to the countess. It is the only return you can make for your crime." "'My father, oh, my father!' cried Mary, weeping bitterly. "'Be sure, be very sure that I have not the ring. "'If I had even found such a ring on the road, "'I could not have rested till I had restored it to its owner. "'Indeed, believe me, I have it not.' "'Look at this dear young lady,' said the old man, "'without replying to Mary's protestations. "'Her affection for you,' 
is so great that she wishes to save you from the hands of justice. Mary, be frank, and do not add falsehood to the crime of theft. My father, cried Mary, well do you know that never in my life have I stolen even the smallest coin, and how should I take anything so valuable as the countess's ring? I pray you, believe me, I have never in my life told you a lie. Mary, again said her father, see my gray hairs, do not bring them down with sorrow to the grave. Spare me so great an affliction. Before that God who made you, into whose presence there can come no thief, tell me if you have the ring. Thus adjured, Mary raised her eyes, and once more assured her father, in the most solemn manner, that she was innocent of the charge. The old man had put his daughter to a severe test, and now he was satisfied of her innocence. "'My child,' he cried, "'I do believe you. You would not dare to tell a lie in the presence of God and before this young countess and your father. You are innocent, and therefore you may take comfort and fear nothing. There is nothing to fear on earth but sin. Prison and death are not to be compared to it. Whatever happens, we will put our trust in God. All will yet come right, for he says, I will make thy righteousness as the light, and thy just dealings as the noonday. Touched to the heart by the old man's faith, Amelia's suspicions also vanished. Truly, she said, when I hear you speak in this way, I believe that you have not the ring. But when I examine all the circumstances, how can I help believing? My mother says she knows exactly the place where she laid it down. Not a living soul has been in the room but Mary, and as soon as she left the castle, my mother missed the ring. Who else, then, can have taken it? It is impossible for me to say, replied Mary's father. May God prepare us for a severe trial. But whatever happens, he said, turning his eyes to heaven, I am ready. Give me but thy grace, O Lord. It is all I ask. Truly, said Amelia, I come here with a heavy heart. It will be for me the saddest birthday I have ever had. My mother has not yet spoken to any one of her loss but myself, but it will not be possible to keep the secret much longer. My father returns to the castle at noon, and he will certainly ask her where the ring is. It was a gift to her on the day when I was born, and on every succeeding birthday she has worn it. Farewell said Amelia, turning to Mary. I will tell my mother that I consider you are innocent. But who will believe me? Her eyes filled with tears, and she left the cottage with a sad heart. After the young countess had gone, Mary's father sat for a long time resting his head on his hand, and with his eyes fixed on the ground. The tears fell down his wrinkled cheeks, and Mary touched by his grief, threw herself at his knees, and besought him to believe in her innocence. 
the old man raised himself and looked for a long time in her eyes, and then said, Yes, Mary, you are innocent. That look, where integrity and truth are painted, cannot be the look of guilt. But my father, asked Mary, what will be the end of it? What will they do to us? I do not fear what they may do to me, but the idea that you may have to suffer on my account is intolerable. Have faith in God, answered her father. Take courage. Not one hair of our heads can fall to the ground without his permission. All that happens to us is the will of God, and what more can we wish? Do not be frightened into saying anything but what is strictly true. If they threaten you, or if they hold out promises, do not depart a hair's breadth from the truth. Keep your conscience free from offense, for a clear conscience is a soft pillow. Perhaps they will separate us, and I shall no longer be with you to console. But if this should happen, cling more closely to your Heavenly Father. He is a powerful protector to innocence, and no earthly power can deprive you of his strength. Suddenly the door opened with a noise, and an officer entered, followed by two constables. Mary uttered a piercing shriek and fell into her father's arms. Separate them! cried the officer angrily. Let her father also be put in custody. Set a watch on the house and garden. Make a strict search everywhere, and allow no one to enter until the sheriff has made an inventory. Mary clung to her father with all her force, but the officers tore her from the old man's arms. In a fainting state she was carried off to prison. The story of the lost ring had spread through the whole village of Eichberg, and when Mary and her father were taken through the streets, the crowd pressed round them filled with curiosity. It was curious to notice how diverse were the opinions which were pronounced on the old man and his daughter. They had been kind to all, but there were some who repaid their kindness by rejoicing in their present affliction. Although they had accepted the old man's gifts, their jealousy and envy had been excited by the thought of his superior position. Now, they exclaimed maliciously, we know how it is that James had always so many good things to give away. If this is what the old man and his daughter have been doing, it was easy to live in abundance and be better clothed than their honest neighbors. It is true that most of the inhabitants of Eichberg were sincerely sorry for James and his daughter, although many of them felt compelled to believe in Mary's guilt. Fathers and mothers were heard to say, Who would have believed this thing of these good people? Truly it proves that the best of us are liable to fall. But there were others who were persuaded by Mary's innocence and said, Perhaps it is not so bad as it appears. May their innocence be brought out when the trial comes, and may God help them to escape the terrible fate which now hangs over them. Groups of children to whom Mary had given fruit and flowers stood weeping as they saw their kind friend being carried off to prison. End of chapter 3 Chapter 4 Mary in Prison 
We have already said that Mary was in a faint when she was carried off to prison. When she recovered to realize her condition, she burst into passionate sobbing. But at length, clasping her hands together, she fell down on her knees in prayer. Overcome with terror at her surroundings, filled with sadness at the thought of being separated from her old father, and wearied with the excitement of the day, she threw herself upon her hard straw couch and fell into a heavy sleep. When she awoke, it was so dark that she could hardly distinguish a single object. At first she could not remember where she was. The story of the lost ring came back to her as a dream, and her first idea was that she was sleeping in her own little bed. Suddenly she felt that her hands were chained. Instantly all the sad reality of the past day flashed upon her mind, and jumping from her bed she cried out, what can I do but raise my heart to God? Falling upon her knees, Mary then engaged in prayer. She prayed for herself that she might be delivered, but especially she prayed for her dear father, that in the trouble which had now come upon him, the Lord might support him. The thought of her father brought a torrent of tears from her eyes and stopped her prayer. Suddenly the moon, which had been covered with thick clouds, now shone in a clear sky, and its rays, coming through the iron grating in the prison wall, threw a silvery light on the floor of Mary's cell. By the light thus afforded, Mary could make out the large bricks of which the walls of her prison were built, the white mortar which united them, the place in the wall serving as a table on which her meals were placed. Although her surroundings were so miserable, Mary felt that the moonlight had soothed her heart. To her astonishment, she became conscious of a sweet perfume filling her cell. Suddenly she remembered that in the morning she had placed in her bosom a bouquet of roses and other sweet flowers which remained from the basket. Taking it in her hand, she untied it and looked at the flowers in the moonlight. Alas! said she mournfully, when I gathered these rosebuds and forget-me-nots from the garden this morning, who would have thought that I should be confined in this gloomy prison in the evening? When I wore garlands of flowers, who would have imagined that on the same day I should be doomed to wear iron chains? Then she thought of her father, and tears fell from her eyes, and moistened the flowers which she held in her hand. Oh, my dear father, she said, how this bouquet reminds me of the advice which you have given me. From the midst of thorns I plucked these rosebuds, and thus I know that joy will come to me from the very troubles which now cause me pain. If I had attempted with my own hands to unfold the leaves of these rosebuds, they would have perished. But God, with a delicate finger, had gradually unfolded their purple cups, and shed over them the sweet perfume of his breath. He can disperse the evils which surround me, and make them turn to my good which seemed all evil. Let me then patiently wait his time. These flowers remind me of him who created them. I will remember him as he remembers me. These tender forget-me-nots, as blue as the heavens, may even be my silent consolation in all the sufferings of earth. 
Here are some sweet peas, with small, delicate leaves, half white, half red. The plant grows and winds itself around a support that it may not grope in the dust, and while it balances itself above the earth, it displays its flowers, which might be taken for butterflies' wings. In this I will cling to God, and by His help raise myself above the miseries of this earth. This mignonette is the chief source of the perfume which fills my cell. Sweet plant, you cheer by your perfume the one who plucked you from your home in the earth. I will try to imitate you, and to do good even to those who, without cause, have torn me from my garden and thrown me into this prison. Here is a little sprig of peppermint, the emblem of hope. I also will preserve hope, now that the time of suffering is come. Here again are two leaves of laurel. They remind me of that crown incorruptible, which is reserved in heaven for all who love the Lord, and have submitted to his will upon the earth. Already I think I see it, surrounded with golden rays. Flowers of the earth, you are short-lived, as are its joys. You fade and wither in an instant. But in heaven, after our short suffering on the earth, an unchangeable joy awaits us, and an eternal glory in Christ Jesus. Talking thus to herself, Mary found her heart gradually grow consoled. Suddenly a dark cloud covered the moon. Darkness filled the prison. Her flowers were blotted out from her sight, and grief again took possession of her heart. But the cloud was merely temporary, and in a little while the moon reappeared more beautiful than ever. Thus, reflected Mary, clouds can be cast over us, but it is only for a little, and at the end we shine clearly again. If a dark suspicion hangs over my character, God will make me triumphant, over every false accusation. The thought brought comfort to her, and Mary, stretching herself upon her bed of straw, slept as tranquilly as a little child. In her sleep she dreamed a beautiful dream. It seemed to her that she was walking by moonlight in a garden which was quite new to her, situated in a wilderness surrounded by a dark forest of oak trees. By the light of the moon, which had never appeared to her so brilliant or so beautiful before, she saw hundreds of flowers in this garden, displaying their charms and filling the air with sweet perfume. Best of all, she dreamed that her father was with her in this beautiful place. The moon shining on his face showed his venerable countenance, lighted by a gracious smile. Running to him, she fell on his bosom and shed tears of joy, with which her cheeks were wet when suddenly she awoke. It had only been a dream, but it comforted her heart, and she slept again. End of chapter 4